Saying low, Apple Music. So I'm a fan of Modest Mouse. I have been a fan of Modest Mouse throughout, you know, their entire recording career, but I've never actually had a chance to sit down and talk to Isaac Brock. And before this conversation, I actually went back and, and I did something I don't often do anymore. I started looking at old interviews with Isaac Brock on YouTube and reading a few things, and it kind of made me a little bit nervous. You know, super intelligent, very smart individual, and at various times, clearly hasn't really been bothered by the whole interview process. You know, like, it's not why I make music, to talk about it. It's not really what it's all about, and I respect that. It's one of the first bits of advice I was ever given when I started having conversations with artists was, you have to accept the fact that most artists would rather be anywhere but sitting opposite you talking about their craft. It's kind of a hard truth. You have to know if you want to be in music media. But anyway, so fast forward to the moment when I actually came face-to-face-ish in the 2021 era, i.e. virtually with Isaac Brock. And I was so pleasantly relieved to know that not only was he into having a conversation, he was also into finding a conversation. It didn't just have to be about promoting the record or talking about this and that, which we do talk about in this episode. But he was also really into just standing in the spot that we found ourselves at any given moment and just talking about that. Wow, that was vague. It all makes sense. Stay with us right here. It's a really fascinating conversation. We cover a lot of ground, most of it unexpected. Right here, this is Isaac Brock from Modest Mouse on the interview series. Nice to meet you at last. How's it going, man? It's going well. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing really good. I've been looking forward to this conversation for far too long. I'm embarrassed it's taken this long, but I'm thrilled we meet at this moment, bro, because I love this album so much. Great. Thanks. I love your hat. Thanks, man. I stole this um this particular hat off my kid. I just, uh? stick, yeah, you know what it's like when you become a parent, right? Eventually the pendulum swings and you start stealing all your good ideas from them. Oh, good. Good. I'm waiting. <laughs> I've been keeping an eye on it, you know, like wait until like that one. Well, I love your I love your sweatshirt as well. Talk me through that because that's fantastic. It's a, it's actually uh, I needed something that was a little dressier than what I was wearing. For me, stop. This is a, this is a modest mouse shirt. Actually, it's this cat. This, this cat was drinking coffee a minute ago and it got coffee on itself. It's not real fur. Now it's authentic. Now it's an NFT. You just got to take a picture of it and put it up on the digital highway, and you'll make a shit ton of money. <laughs> I, I think that I think they're on, they're on to people. I don't think. Uh, <laughs> you think the game's over? Uh, no, I think the game's. I think that it's it's back to being something. And like, I don't think people just buy NFTs because it's just like you know, like ah, it's a Tonka truck. I took a picture of it. It's like okay, enough of that crap. Let's actually we're gonna buy some art now yeah and things uh, well that's what it was designed to do right it was always designed to be for the artist yeah. and then and then you know it, 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 us pesky music fans and musicians are never too far away from that's a good idea you know <laughs> poor artists man well, artists have I, been know, painting themselves yeah. into a hole for centuries <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, and i have an nft i have an nft drop but uh, oh, because there are other musicians that yeah, it was supposed to be the end of this month, and then other unnamed nameable musicians made made it look like a bad idea for musicians to do it. So mine's moved back quite oh, a ways. Cool, a little distance. I, you know, I guess like ninety seven percent, ninety seven percent of like the musical um, NFTs that were gonna get, get dropped. Gonzers. So the fact that they actually kept me on it all was kind of nice. No, that's great. It makes total sense. And, you know, as long as you do it, oh gosh, as long as you do it right, man. And and by the way, it's such a landmine minefield right now. What, you know, even when you try to do something right, 
you run the risk of doing something entirely wrong. Yeah, don't overthink it. People get really excited when they talk about NFTs. Says Isaac Brock. Don't overthink it, says Isaac Brock. Is that, oh my God, is that, the name, is that the name of your autobiography? Don't overthink it, says Isaac Brock. All you've done is made music for us to just like completely pull apart for like the last 29 years. Oh, it's been a minute, huh? I'm glad that you made another Modest Mouse record. Do we do we ever think it in between when when there's time in between? Do we ever think it? Do we think like, oh, maybe Isaac's moved on and doing other things now? Are you always thinking, no, I'll make another record. I'll just do it when I'm ready. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it takes it takes a window of time that apparently requires a pandemic or something. Because without that, I actually wouldn't have gotten it done. You know, which I'm not trying to I'm not trying to silver line like a just god awful thing, but but there's a silver lining anyways. No, uh, yeah, so I I don't know. Five years doesn't seem like a long time anymore or whatnot. I mean, like, I basically blink in five years because I'm like, Ugh. And also, I guess that to some degree is what having an audience, a fan base, whatever you want to call it, people who love your music, affords you is that is you don't have to sort of run quite as fast as you did when you were trying to keep people's attention because you have people's attention. Well, I mean, I get between records, I need to do all sorts of shit. I need to, like self-sabotage myself i need to you know like just fill my life full all sorts of stuff so that i actually have something i'm gonna keep messing with these you know well i'm gonna break some stuff so i can fix it and then i can sing about it i'm beginning to wonder if it's intentional or whether as opposed to well as opposed to unintentionally just you know like breaking stuff in your life so that you can look look at all the pieces and go well, that's how that works and then put it back together it's not the first time I've heard it, you know, which isn't to say that you're a cliche. It's just to say that I've heard artists in their own way explain that in order to write about life, you have to live life. And I guess this is what you're saying. You don't know who's leading who, right? Is this Pavlo Pavlo right. Pavlov's dog or what? Like, I mean, which one's kind of guiding the process here? Is it me? Am I doing this? Or is this just how this is supposed to go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I made two people. I made two little people in the time that, well... I helped make two people. Congrats. That's it. Yeah. And so that, that takes a bit. Of is that three now? It is. That's three of them. So when you became a parent, cause I'm, I'm a parent, we've got two kids, me and my wife, 15 and 13. So they're, old okay. they're getting older. Hence the hat. It's funny because, <laughs> because, you know, when you, when you become a parent and you already had been a parent, but when you become a parent again, a little bit later on in life, I think that, I think it, the perspective is very different. And I wonder this is going to be the most obvious question I'll ask today, I promise, but I'm dying to know the answer. If, if it does sort of, how it affects your creative spirit, trying to tend to real life spirits. More so with the two younger ones, probably with me getting older and having two younger people, there was a lot of crossed off lyrically. I'm like, uh, just, they can find out about that from other people. Okay. Okay. You know, so, uh, Okay, so on the record, there's two songs that are, have the word in the title. There's Your Ass a Trip and Never Get Spider on the Fly. So to make myself feel better about this, although they're not anywhere that you can get them, I can play them for my kids. I have Never Touch a Spider on the Fly. And then when it's just Cuff Your Ass a Trip. Oh, you never. So you created your own clean versions, not for radio, though, for your kids. Right. Amazing. Amazing. Dad of the century. Okay, I'm going to make them listen to my music all the time. Of course you Why are. Why not? That's punishment. <laughs> you go to your, you go go to your, your room, room and you listen to the Golden Casket right now. <laughs> 
<laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know many artists nowadays who do that for us, and we ask them politely to. Let alone artists who mm. do it for your kids without even being asked to. And I think that, by the way, I'm going to make a quick observation here. I, I think that the artful pursuit of a very clever radio edit is much missed. I loved it, especially in rap songs when people used to do it cleverly. Uh, yeah, the, it's tricky. The, the, the flipped around, that word. Sucks. <laughs> it sucks. It's much better when you think of alternative words, you know what I mean? It's like, go and listen to Eminem, My Name Is, for the best ever and Ice Cube, it was a good day. Two incredible radio edits with actual clean language. Unbelievable. More creative in many respects than, than the originals. Yeah. I think people just stopped caring and it just seemed like too much hard work. So I totally applaud the fact that you're actually tending to your children with this brand new album. I also applaud the songs in their original form. And the opening one, which is brilliantly strange, your acid trip. I got to ask you a story about that song and how it came to be. Well, I mean, that's it's one of the few songs on there where there's not a lot of hidden anything. You know, it's not, it doesn't, uh, it's not a riddle or anything like that. It's just, it's on more than one or five or 10 occasions, I've ended up places just, you know, just going to go for a couple hours or something with someone, or we're going out to the beach for a day. And the next thing I know, someone's having more fun. I was like, I got to get, I got shit to do. I can't just stick around here while you're all. Well, you're high off your ass and things. And eventually, you know, either you, you haul someone home who's high, um, you know, tripping, or you just give in and call in sick or whatever you have to do. And then there you are, and things, you know, exploring the universe. And all of a sudden, you went from being the person who was supposed to be having a good time with everybody else to being the lifesaver, the person who's actually the most responsible out of everybody else. But that being right. said, what's the furthest. Without going into detail, because that's just that's just personal. But but in terms of broad strokes, what's the furthest distance you've gone, or the or the longest amount of time you've gone from something that was just a good idea in the moment, and then took so many twists and turns that you crossed borders, or you, you ended up being like, wow, I really just went out for one three and a half years. <laughs> okay. Wish I were joking. So to make this record, though, you 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 found a couple of buddies to make this record uh two fine gentlemen sadi and jack Lee. love sadi sadi is just a brilliantly funny forthright human being did you enjoy making this record because i know the one previous was a bit tough i enjoyed making most of this record you know like i want to make it sound as fun as possible the fact of the matter is there's always you know like at least a month where you're just like are we really just moving that knob that that much every day like you can like, like <laughs> turn it all the way up, but working on the record uh, with Sardi, the Sardi portion, it was great. It was um, it was a lot of fun. He came to Portland, my studio, where I'm at, and we were gonna we were gonna re record it there. We got all set up, spent a whole week, you know, like aiming mics at shit that might get recorded. You know, like we'd already the the test for whether. Uh, Sardi and I should work together was I basically had him come over for a few days before we this setup and banged on little bells and stuff like that and just made awful sounds and it was like and and he was like this is great I was like you're a good liar uh, and stuff and so we started like I mean he is a good liar <laughs> the shit I just told you about is on the record ding 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 and we just did the whole record kind of was done in this way where so back up a bit 
one week of actual just like sit up and getting ready to record and starting goes home for the weekend and things and the world got a flu and i was like sitting here for two months before i was just like you know what i'll just come down to your studio and do it there and i showed up without only like a few of the songs were really even written as songs i was just like i just want to make a kalimba record i don't want to fucking touch a guitar i'm just gonna play kalimbas and i think it's gonna be really cool kalimbas and modular synths and stuff and i got Ooh, how far did I get with that? One and a half songs. Yeah. It's like, my thumbs hurt, and that's enough kalimba. That shit is hard. Working with Sardio was easy for the most part. I was, you know, like, we just collaged together, and then the rest of the band would put stuff. It was more about f***ing around with noises. That's on the record. What is that? That's my th- That's just me going... Is that your knuckles? No, it's just friction. Oh, I can't do that. Mine sounds all dry and whack. Well, uh, put uh, lavender oil or tea tree on it. Your complexion does look particularly good right now, I have to say. Really? Thanks. So it's not a kalimba record. It's very far from a kalimba record. There's kalimba on it. And say there wasn't kalimba on it, but you were set out to make a kalimba record. Right. I set out to make a big, just like, oh my God, there's so much kalimba. How did they do this with all those kalimbas? So many kalimbas. What it cut down the touring costs. Damn right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What are all those really small little flight cases over there that look like they look like they're for ants? Oh, that's the that's modest mouse. No, I'm not talking about what's behind you. I'm still I'm still running the joke. <laughs> I'm still running the joke. Am I that straight faced? Can I do a U-turn that effectively? I don't think so. I don't I, think so. I'm not saying I'm I, I'm gullible, but I'm just interesting shit shows up behind you. You, from what I've read of your interviews in the past and the music I've heard, you're the least gullible person I could probably talk to this week, to be perfectly honest. I want to talk about a song that really struck me and, and got and moved me, which is called Wooden Soldiers. Yeah. And a line on there, which I love, which is called Just Being Here Now Is Enough For Me. And I love that lyric. I love it. And it's just a very centering sentiment. And I, I wonder whether that is kind of, to some degree, that sort of idea of letting go or finding some kind of peace and things that that you haven't found before is sort of at the core or is influencing the golden casket thematically a little bit because it seems to be a little bit a little bit of that it's the necessary other side to a coin and you know that's a good that's always a good example anyways because the front part is i'd, I'd say the swirling paranoia but the fact is, is it's actually a i think pretty grounded paranoia which is you know like I mean, the more shit comes out about UFOs and things, like that's kind of how that song starts. And at, by the time I got to the end of that that session of the song, to the, the leveling out, just being here now is enough for me. For one, the day I wrote that, I'd gone up to Topanga Canyon or something and did some sort of ceremony with this lady involving African bark. And it's fucking, it was trippy. Interesting time. There was a teepee. There was a teepee involved. It's got to be cool. She's um, <laughs> legit. Yeah, it's like, you know, I was just wandering in the hot, hot heat with no lovely, no cell phone reception, so I couldn't even get picked up to get back to the studio and whatnot. And I was, I was, I was liking it, you know, like I'd done the whole thing. It's like five minutes and then you're back to earth. And, uh, you know, like I remember cause the lady I did it with warned me that people get real violent or they cry, they weep. Sometimes they, you know, like it affects people very differently. Differently, and I was like, "Oh, this could be a ride." Like, why are you? Why don't you have like headgear on or something? You know, like if, if people actually lose their. Shit. But I remember 
like when I went in, once everything fractaled itself out enough, just really being grateful to have friends and family. I just felt just an overwhelming sense of like, it's okay. Just like, yep. Yeah. Like despite, despite the horrors of the world and probably universe, there's this. So that alone, like I just had that sentiment and I came back to finish working on wooden soldiers. And I was like, okay, I fully agree that, you know, the machines of man are, you know, try to control man and the machines of others control, you know, like there's a war for all of our brains. I think that it's just important to always come back to that, that there is something nice, something nice there for you. If you just, just find it. Well, first of all, my first question is what inspired you to want to go and on that journey in the first place, what was it that, that was it just pure curiosity or what inspired you to want to have that experience? Uh, it was suggested to me sometime earlier, an, an earlier point, like uh, a couple of years ago, like for like addiction like that. And I was like, oh, okay. And then instead I just got myself in unaddicted to shit. Right. But I still had this like standing, standing date with this person. And I thought I should just go in and see what, you know, like what I can take from it, you know, like, cause you know, being burning pretty much completely clean and stuff. I was, I was like, I didn't need the repair work, but I, I didn't mind the perspective. When I listen to this album, it feels to me like you are searching for that, even though there was grounded paranoia and there's a restlessness to it. And there's definitely some, some friction on the record. I, I, it's, it's really nice to sort of hear you just as a writer, just kind of exploring different emotions. And I guess that comes with, you know, the kids having the kids and sort of, like you say, clearing your head to some degree and coming out the other end and sort of going, okay, I've got some clarity of mind right now. And, and, you know, was there anything else that was wrapped up in this, in this overall sort of album that you kind of feel played a role? Yeah. 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 This is a, this is the session I'll call the tinfoil hat. Let's go. Okay, you want you want to get into the tinfoil hat here with me? I'm ready. All right. You familiar with gang stalking? Nope. The concept of gang stalking. All right. Uh, it's not the newest phenomenon, but uh, it's getting refined and it's popping up a lot more. It, it's also known as street theater. Imagine a flash mob that was uh, synchronized to just subtly f- with you, not to not to like actually like shove you. Not to, you know, like basically to kind of just nudge you off a cliff, like just to kind of close in, like the people will get blocked in and tra- like traffic, a bunch of cars will just kind of block them in. It's coordinated and it's random and it's there to alter your perspective. Well, what it is, is if it, if it, if it becomes a conversation, if you, if you decide like, Hey, I need to tell someone that this is happening. It's designed perfectly to make you sound bash crazy. It's like everyone who walks by is an actor. Like everyone keeps walking by and smiling at me. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's, you must live in a nice town and things. But what it, what it actually is, and I've done, I ran tests and I'd be like, something's not right here. The same people have walked by five times. And every time they give me this look, like the cat got caught eating the canary, like, <laughs> and stuff. I was like, and this has happened to you. It happened uh, as recently as yesterday. Has it happened to me? Has it happened to me and I'm just not aware? Possible. Usually it seems like, based on what I've read, if someone is getting cause stalked, whatnot, that it continues. You can't, you can move. It'll continue. Okay, so when is this gang stalking? 
And when is this stalking? Well, okay. So I had a few stalkers the last few years. And here's the thing. It's not so much because I got a band. It's because certain people, I've got a frequency that, that crazy loves and stuff. You know, like two of these, two of these motherfuckers ended up in jail. I loved number three. Number three was amazing. He'd just show up to the house and ring my doorbell and knock on the door at the same time. Ding, 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 ding. I've been shot. I've been shot. He did that one to me. So what? I was a police, police, yeah. Uh, and he just, I'd hear noises outside all the time, like, and things like, and he's really good at that. And I'd like look out and he'd go, and then he'd scurry away or he'd just be laying there in the grass. Stalking, gang stalking doesn't make itself that obvious and it does not get itself arrested. Right. Uh, I don't know that it exists where you are or not, because we were going to make a documentary about all this. So you, you're you on a gang stalking list because this happens to you a fair bit. So people are like, so it's not random, right? Like they. It's not random, no. No, they, 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 it's orchestrated, but there's very little information out about it that's actually. The best resource is actually just watching other people who filmed gang stalking situations where it's like, oh, you know, and it's always like with your can your phone. You know, and you're sitting in your car and you're like, okay, and zooming in. And it's like, this guy's on his bike for 15 minutes walking and they're, they're pointing. They can't tell I'm here or that I'm filming them. They don't know why I'm going. And like the people go like that. So in, in the process of like, I might, I might turn the knob down on this one a little bit because this gets into the territory of this shit called Voice to Skull, V2K. It's easy enough to do that. I think it was basically invented by a 15-year-old where there can be 500 people standing in a room and things and they can just direct a conversation to you and ride the doc guy that i was working with he did he had a smirnoff absolute vodka ad campaign that pain that he did in like the early, early 2000s where they just used this as like part of the thing as a joke you know they filmed like they blasted the voice of someone like saying that person just bought you a drink and stuff and someone will like will look around and stuff and it's like it's funny in that way but like when you actually have this shit happening to you outside of a, a commercial and then you end up researching it, it's like, oh yeah, the government can have this stuff and stuff. So gang stalking then branches into that stuff and it's who and why. Maybe maybe on someone's inter- entertainment. Maybe I'm with two on the fringe. Maybe I piss someone off. Maybe your songs, a lot of your songs, with the exception of your acid trip and a few others, but a lot of your songs create there's so many interpretations within the same narrative that can that can exist that the less obvious you make it, the less linear you make it, the more the opportunity for people to absorb it and decide it's about something, right? And, and it, it may be just be five five options, but actually that's infinite. That's five times like whoever interprets it. And do you know what I'm trying to say? The math goes much broader. I do know because as I sit there and stare at paper for long, long periods of time to make sure that that works. It's like, I want to say three things here. There's three routes I want to go with this, and I need to say it in one sentence and stuff. And people get to have three very different different rides yeah. on, depending on which turn of uh, how they how they approach this. And, stuff. and that's that's where all the fun is. Also, it's That's where all the fun is, right? And hand-wringing. Yeah, right? but there's a lot of hand-wringing when people hear it too, right? And listen, you know, yeah. it's like Black it's like Black Mirror, right? Like Charlie's very, very good at writing these, these things that can mean a lot to a lot of different people. And that's on a frequency for people who are really intense too. So you can see yeah. what I'm saying. It's, you're playing in the same sandbox a bit. Uh, I think we're very, very much in the same sandbox of things. And which 
it's funny. I had to, I had to, after the first three episodes of that came out and I watched them, I was just like, I gotta, I gotta check out on this. It's like, this is reality. For me. Even, even, <laughs> even, even the sci-fi angles of it was just too thing close to home. You know, like it's just like, I was like, Oh, well this is about this. This is only sci-fi this week. Next week, this has happened. You know, like I was just like, uh, when I was a kid, I like, watched, uh, my mom had a job as a barista at a video store that had like a really eclectic collection of everything, you know, like dream gig for a kid. I, they, 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 call, they call this the internet. Now my friend used to work at a video store. We used to do the same thing. We would just go every Sunday with beer under the counter and just watch all the videos while people browse. The freaking shelves. It was great. It was a right? great, fantastic summer. Yeah. So like unlimited, like B movies and like odd oddity television, just I, I can go home with, armfuls of it so i watched every single uh twilight zone the original tv series you know like it gets goes pretty deep and found myself in like an insane depression from like 1960s paranoia um you know like i was like uh black black mirror black mirror I, i've checked back into it again and it still does it i can only watch a couple of a couple in a row or a couple at a, a couple without like large breaks before because i'm just like yeah that's too real yeah. And isn't it funny? I was talking to my wife about this the other day because we have a really good friend who people in society would call him a conspiracist. I just think he's curious. Right. Uh-huh. And so he, he's, you know, he told me years ago, he was like, you wait, you wait. When they're done with this one, it'll be this one. And then this one, and then they'll roll out independence day. It'll be like, here come the aliens. You just wait. And I was like, it can't be that obvious. You've just, if you've told me, and you're a smart guy, but you're not like at the NSA or anything. Like, if you're telling me, then surely loads of people know this and, they, and they'll know that the game is up. And then I was watching TV the other day and I said to my wife, like this is a couple of months back, I said, wow, they're really ramping up the UFO dialogue right now on the news. Have you noticed that? Like we've gone from, from decades of like, no, we're not talking about it to like, yeah, I was out there, man. They move real quick. You know, it's a real security risk. And I was like, holy shit, this thing is happening. It's funny you should mention this because I I was going out of my way not to have this conversation. <laughs> Why would you go out of there anyway to have any kind of conversation with anyone like me? I'm like, because you know, I went for years without wanting to have this conversation. Because, I mean, I've talked about it a few times since it happened, but in 1997, I was. Uh, flying to master the record the lonesome crowded west from montana to phoenix where right over phoenix i end up in a holding pattern for some reason as i'm looking out the window as we i don't know i start noticing somewhere a weird like a light and it moves but it barely i can tell it i couldn't see it move i just saw it show up in a different spot so it must have moved and then fighter pilot starts scrambling this thing right then another one of the things shows up and more fighter pilots and a helicopter and everyone's like dancing around the sky. And I'm like, just watching this. It's then eventually land. But by the time we did, there were seven of them. I get on the ground and I have other to worry about. I don't have a hotel. I was planning on sleeping on the roof of the mastering place, just kind of climbing up, sleeping there. And without thinking about the fact that Arizona is super hot and people don't want to sleep on the roofs. Uh, and this story could get real, real long if I don't, just get to the point where I didn't tell anyone about this for years. I told my mom and a friend. Uh, but besides that, I was just like, I'm not doing, I'm not the dude with the UFO story because you can't 
can summon a UFO. If you're telling someone the story, like, yes, I did. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And things can't just pull it and pull it out of the sky. So I didn't touch it for years. And then, like, uh, around 2007 or 8, uh, watching a TV show on, on tour in Florida. And it's like people describing from all these different, like, whole families of people describing, like, this UFO sighting. And I'm like, huh. Um, I keep watching. It's like retired, retired military people and their wives, like families of five, and just like, oh yeah, we saw it. And it's called the Phoenix Light, Phoenix Lights. And guess who saw it? And at the end of the show, they have this whole thing where uh, the scientists and government are like, let's yeah, see well, what's going on. Is if you're looking at the looking up this way, and it's these things we were working with, they drifted into sight, and it's just a reflection of the sun. And I'm like, I was in a holding pattern parallel to this not looking up looking hell looking down sometimes sort of so your friend's right and i'm you know like it's weird that they're they're rolling this out now that's the thing like i think i think if you're a if you're self-aware enough to try to have empathy for all of us on the planet to some degree where we know we have to share the space then ultimately it's 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 safe to say that we know that we're sharing infinite space right you can't be an empathetic human being and care for people and care about giving somebody an, a, the space to be themselves and not think like well that only happens here like common sense would suggest you know that it's a big it's, it's a lot of space we can do this they can do this but right. it's the way it's the way they're managing the conversation right now which is super interesting to me i mean you know, obama is like i can't I, I i wish i could but i can't tell you all this I stuff know. about and i was just like what was why now since when now could you not even go on the record to say you could or couldn't do anything like this isn't like a birthday surprise i wish i could tell you what surprise. we were about the birthday, but i can't and things are like <laughs> oh just you wait <laughs> it's not like Modest Mouse are playing a Budweiser show with the curtain drawn and we don't know who's playing. It's a surprise. Yeah, I, you know? <laughs> oh, I yeah, love this like, band. It's like you, you know? were you were a president and there these are aliens. Like either either you guys are like letting the ink dry on some sort of like conversation that you know it's like you know, like okay, we've 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 made a deal with them and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. That shit is fucking uh, funny. And scary, but not, but not because I'm scared of alien life, because I'm scared of the way we manage this fucking narrative as human beings. Is it, are we going into another whole another fear sphere? Is that what's going to happen right now? Who, who knows? Okay, so I watched a movie recently that was called um, Third Eye Spies, and it's a documentary about the CIA's remote viewing team going on. Uh, it's the documentary version of Men Who Stare at Goats, and far more interesting. But Falling down the remote viewing uh, hole, if you will, these are people who can see. Sh One of them was just tracking all the nuclear submarines on Earth with his brain. Just had a little board. I think this is before he got, even got hired. He's just like nah, 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 all the nuclear subs. Something that they've done. They did tests and found like basically eighty percent of people can do this on some level, and you just have to train yourself to do it. But then there's people who are really good at it. Yeah. Get into the aliens. So multiple people did like of their like top remote viewers. And this is on a different thread from the movie. You got to find this other one under four mountains on earth, one in Africa, one in Spain, multiple remote viewers saw the same, sh which is like underground things that something going on underground that like one of them is an entity at a, a control panel, just observing. 
and they say that one seems to be just malignant force or they're like not malignant uh benign yeah benign you know like just fine observing one of them seems particularly evil one seems like it wants to help us and they're all somehow and there's another one and they're all somehow these four places are somehow connected like multiple different people describe the same places and vaguely the same and then later they get footage of like the helicopters going into one of them i think the one in spain or africa (laughs) anyway so so here's what i think there's not a damn thing we can do about this just enjoy the show exactly just go on the road and play some fucking great rock shows bro I mean, you know, until that seems like it's not a great idea. Yeah, I think it seems like a great idea. Seems like a great idea to me. Look at, man, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a very, very long time. And the fact that we get to speak now and you're, you're a new dad again, effectively, newish. I love being a dad. New album. You got yeah. some shows on the horizon. You're actually out there playing shows, you know, and you're here. Yeah. And you still have your hair, which is incredible. Right. It's amazing. You know, I take that for granted. Thank you. Now, the haircut's great. But regardless of that, you're not combing nothing over. Like, you're in a rock band, bro. Whether you like to spin it that way or not, you guys are in a serious rock band. Right. And you've, and you've still got your hair. And that's a really important moment. Good to know. Good to know. You know, like, I hadn't checked into it that way. No one wants to see old man Brock with no hair get up there and start k- k- kicking out the jams. They might. They might. <laughs> Depends how gracefully you're willing to age. Yeah, <laughs> that remains I don't know to that be I am. seen. <laughs> exactly. That yeah. remains to be seen. Yeah, I'm just going to get a really cool rug and whatnot. <laughs> and a really cool rug and whatnot. I've enjoyed talking with you, man. I hope one day we get, to, I get to see you face to face, shake your hand and say thanks in person for all the great music you've given us. And just a really, yeah, I just love you, man. I love your songs. I love your music. And I think you're brilliant. So appreciate you, sir. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Take care. Super fascinating individual making amazing music. Isaac Brock, Modest Mouse's brand new album, The Golden Casket. I mean, if you're a read reviews kind of person, then you already know that it's it's a brilliant body of work. If you're just going to dive in, you're going to find that out eventually as well. Stream it right now on Apple Music. Thanks again for checking in with the interview series. I am Zane Lowe. Leave a rating and or follow these episodes and I appreciate it. See you next week.